This morning I want to uh, talk to you about the topic of loneliness. Loneliness is uh, kind of a weird thing uh, to talk about. It's a weird thing for us to experience. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had that experience before where you're actually at a huge event where there are thousands of people around you and yet you feel very lonely. Or you can be uh, sitting at church right next to somebody that you love and you can feel a sense of loneliness. Being an extrovert, sometimes I can be the life of the party and uh, everyone can see me and I can fake them out and the reality is deep inside I feel all alone. 26 years ago, uh, I was pastoring uh, this particular church right here in Flora, Indiana. And church should be a place where you never feel alone or you never feel lonely. But for me, the first couple of years of being the pastor at this church was some of the loneliest uh, moments of my life. And part of that was because uh, the person that I was uh, engaged to, we were separated from one another, uh, who is my wife Jennifer now, and is an amazing mom, by the way. I'll just throw that in. And uh, also, that uh, she, uh, in her second year, she lived here in Muncie, and I lived uh, in Flora, which is near West Lafayette, and we only saw each other on the weekends. And uh, I would go to this church on Sunday, and uh, everything would be great. And there were 75 people that were around me, and they were kind people, and loving people, and encouraging people. But then, I would actually go home uh, to uh, this parsonage, which is the next picture, and when I would get there, it would feel as if the walls were like caving in. And I would feel all alone. And even though I had just been around 75 people who were kind people, I felt all by myself. And sometimes when you are alone and you feel lonely, all of a sudden you can begin to start having some thoughts in your head. And these were the thoughts that I remember. No one understands me. Why is it that they can't see how lonely I feel and how disconnected I feel, even though I'm a pastor, that when I walked back into that house, in this big house by myself, it was as if I was alone. Even though there were neighbors beside me and people that I knew on the other block, I felt all alone. Have you ever experienced loneliness before? Have you ever struggled with that? Maybe today, the reality is you're sitting here in church, but in the depths of your heart, you feel a real sense of feeling lonely. Maybe you're a teenager, and you're here today, and uh, you want so badly for there to be connection with different people in your life, and, and people that you care for, and the cool kids that are wherever, and yet there's a part of you that feels very disconnected. You may be on ten different social media sites and you Instagram and everything seems really great, but on the inside, you just don't feel like people get you. Maybe you're single and you're here today and each day when you go home, you have a real sense that you're by yourself. And you're not literally by yourself, but you're by yourself in your thoughts. And you cook a meal by yourself and you watch TV by yourself and you feel alone, and there's no one for you to share your day with. Maybe you're a lonely spouse, 
The reality is you have someone that you're married to, but the two of you have lost connection. You don't communicate the way that you once did. There feels like there's this disconnect. There's no intimacy. And you're just kind of going through the marriage motions, but the reality is you feel alone. Maybe you're a lonely widow or a widower. You outlived your spouse and now you're by yourself and it feels as if the walls are caving in and sometimes you experience great loneliness. Or maybe you're a survivor of divorce. And you got the kids around you during the week and so it seems okay, but on weekends when you have to drop the kids off to your ex and you go back to the home, although you, you say all week, oh, you kids are driving me crazy and I want to be by myself, when you're actually by yourself and all alone in that place, you feel a huge disconnect. No matter who you are, at some point in your life, you're going to go through loneliness whether you like it or not. And the, the reality is that sometimes on Mother's Day, we try to kind of pave it that everything's fine and everything's great, but there are some lonely moms here too. That you feel a disconnect from maybe your kids or your spouse or maybe your own mom. And there's this sense of loneliness. Well, I want you to know that was never God's plan. In the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, it was not part of his plan for people to ever be lonely. In fact, in the very beginning, this is what God says. He says, let us make humankind in our own image according to our likeness. Now, I want you to notice the bolded words, our. Because the reality is, until I went to seminary, I never really caught this before. Doesn't it seem kind of strange? Why in the world would God say our? Because it seems so weird. I kind of sound like a pirate right then, didn't I? Our, baby, you know? That's my southern drawl that I can't get rid of. Anyway, but there is this kind of sense. Some of you, the only thing you'll get today is, oh, the pirate joke. Man, that was good, you know? So we'll hope you'll, you'll stay connected. But, but this whole image, like, what's that about? What is God saying when He's just saying, our? Like, what is that? Well, you must realize that from the very beginning, before humans were there, there was this community of God. God always exists in community. The fancy word that we call that is called the Trinity. And what it means is God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that we sang about today. Now, uh, the simplest way for me to explain this is to ask you a question. If you take water and you put it into a freezer, what does it become? Ice. Now, if you take that ice out and you allow it to first come out of the freezer, what comes off of it? What do you often see? A vapor, like a mist, a vapor. So, let me ask you this. Is it water, is it ice, or is it a vapor? Yeah, it's all three. Well, God exists in the same way. So when He says our, He's actually talking about God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Three separate entities, but one entity simultaneously. Now, we could spend the rest of the time talking about the Trinity, but they have written thousands of books about it. So guess what? Go read one if you're interested, all right? But for our purpose today, I simply want you to realize this, that to be made in the image of God 
to be made as people who are for perfect connection. People long for perfect connection. You and I, we long for there to be a perfect connection. We long to exist in union with God and with each other. It's not just aloneness, but we are made for a community. That's the way we were wired. Now, uh, God realized this. He said, hey, uh, you know, we live in community. I want my people to live in community. And so he created Adam and Eve. And in uh, Genesis chapter 2, he brings them together and he says, it's not good for you guys to be alone. I created one another for each of you and all is well. And everything's going great until one particular time, uh, God says, hey, I want you guys to have anything, live in community, but you can't eat from this one tree. And in chapter 2, everything's going great, but in chapter 3, total disconnection takes place. Because if you tell a human being not to do one particular thing, what is going to happen? Yeah, they're going to do that. That's why I never understand when parents go, you know what, I just don't know why my kids are disobedient. You know why? Because you're disobedient. And if you tell a kid not to do something, they're going to do it just like you do. It's the same thing. And this is the way it was for Adam and Eve. And the eating of the fruit, folks, was really not the issue. The real issue was that there was not a trust in God. That community actually broke down. Then, once they were busted and they're uh, kicked out of the garden, let's look at what happened. Toward evening, they, Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they what? What's it say? They hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, Where are you? He replied, I heard you, so what? I hid. You know one thing that I've realized that human beings are great at? Hiding. We like to hide. Just like kids like to play hide-and-go-seek, we like to hide from God. We like to hide from one another. Ever since that moment, human beings have been hiding. Well, the following act of disobedience finally banished them from the garden, and they are made to be aliens and wanderers for the rest of the time. But the reality is they were created. They were made for community. They were created. They were made to be a part of this community. They experienced this rejection, though, but they're longing to go back. Have you ever had that experience before where you were a part of something and it seemed great and now you're outside of it, but you long to be back to that place that you were once in? And that's what we find in this story. And when they're rejected and they're by themselves for the first time since the beginning of the created world, something comes into the world called loneliness. You know, when we experience loneliness, there's no mistaking about it. There's this helpless feeling. There's this empty feeling. There's this feeling that we just don't recognize. We feel pain. Now, there are a number of different circumstances that can lead to this. It's not always just that we're disconnected from someone else. For example, loneliness can come in the form of unemployment. If you've ever lost your job before or you've been unemployed, one of the things you'll realize is you feel lonely because the rest of society has gone on, but you yourself are still stuck and you feel like you're no longer needed. Maybe you're single and you feel this sense of ache of loneliness from not having a romantic relationship. You'll ask things like this. 
When is someone going to come into my life? When are they going to come? God, are you there? Do you see that I'm lonely? Maybe you're married and you're going through uh, a kind of a distance between you and your spouse. I want you to know that if you're single, um, that's a difficult place sometimes for you to be in. But I'll tell you what's even worse is when you're married and you're connected with someone, but you feel totally lonely because you're disconnected most of the time. Maybe you're the manager of where you work or you're in a high level of leadership. And you know, one of the things that I've found is that leadership can be a very lonely place. Sometimes the people around you don't get you. They don't understand it and you feel alone. Serious illness, death of a loved one, uh, being able to move schools, divorce, empty nesting, aging, all of these things can create a sense of loneliness and a feeling of disconnection, and it can be painful. I was reading a study this week by UCLA, and they tried to tackle this issue. Researchers studied the physical effects of loneliness on the brain, and this is what they concluded. They said this, the feeling of being excluded provoked the same sort of reaction in the brain that physical pain might cause. That loneliness by itself created the exact kind of pain that we experience when our body breaks down. Now, why are these findings important? It matters because when you're going through the actual pain of loneliness, you respond in the same way that you do with physical pain. And what happens when we have physical pain? What do we want to do? Avoid it. We want to run from it. We go to Facebook. We surround ourselves with people. We look at Netflix forever. We take a nap. We play video games. We drink alcohol. We eat chocolate. Moms, you can eat all the chocolate you want today. And sometimes when we're lonely and we're feeling that, we, we eat anything. We eat anything. We... We binge watch on the Game of Thrones. We watch Bachelorette until we know who won. Or if you're like me, you look at ESPN and you just stay glued on it when you're alone and you're by yourself because you don't like that feeling. And it cuts deep. And sometimes it hurts. The great poet John Milton uh, said these words, Loneliness, the first thing that God named as not good. And then Billy Graham described loneliness this way. He said, loneliness is man's greatest problem. Think about that. Loneliness, man's greatest problem. And then finally, Mother Teresa said these words, it is easier to fill a hungry stomach than to heal a lonely and empty heart. I was reading uh, Time Magazine uh, a few months ago and they had done this study on uh, loneliness. And what they came to the conclusion is that we're living in the loneliest era that the world has ever known. They said that it's almost like a great epidemic. That they believed that it was going to surpass things like obesity and substance abuse. Although we attempt and try anything we can to become less lonely, the reality is we become more lonely as a culture. At your fingertips, and some of you might be doing it right now, you're doing Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. You're connected to all kinds of people, and yet the reality is you feel alone. We feel alone as a culture. So the question becomes, how do we navigate through loneliness? You know, during high school, I uh, had the opportunity to be a camp counselor 
at a church uh, camp for one week uh, during the summer. And uh, some of those kids are still traumatized. You know, they're adults, but uh, they're making it through. But during the week, there would be all of these different camp songs, but undoubtedly there was always one song that was the most popular, and it was about this song called, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. There was a song uh, that was developed from this popular book uh, that we have a picture of, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Now, I don't know if you've ever read this book before to your kids, but the story is basically about a family going on a bear hunt to go find a, a bear. Now, have you ever read children's stories and looked at it as an adult and then go, that's stupid. This is one of those stories for me. And I, I read this, I'm like, well, why would a, a family want to do this? And then there are obstacles along the way. They come against some mud. They come against a snowstorm, against some tall grass. And the key phrase in the book the entire time is what? We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We've got to go through it. So we're going to have a little camp experience right now. Now, this might bomb. I'm just letting you know at the very beginning, okay? Um, but you're going to repeat after me, okay? Uh, here it goes. One, two, three. Repeat after me. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We've got to go through it. And what I found is that when it comes to this issue of loneliness, we're going on a bear hunt, that phrase actually is pretty helpful of how we deal with it. And here's kind of our big idea of how to navigate through our own loneliness. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We have to move through it. Loneliness does not just go away. You've got to go through it. You've got to move through it. It's your first fill in there. You know, we're in this series called It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And I can't think of anywhere in the Bible that helps us any more when it comes to loneliness than the book of Psalms. If you took your Bible and you opened it kind of to the center of it, you would come to Psalms. There are 150 of them. They each have uh, different human emotions that they talk about. Some happiness, joy, some sadness, struggle, but they're all there. And David the greatest king of the Old Testament, he wrote most of the Psalms. And what I want us to look at today is Psalm 22, 23, and 24. We're not going to look at all of the Psalms, so don't freak out, okay? Um, but we're just going to look at some certain verses. Because what he does is he really helps us through the process of getting through loneliness to a fullness of life. And in Psalm 22, um, he talks about loneliness. And this is our kind of working definition. Loneliness is the pain and the emptiness of being alone. You feel the pain. You feel empty of being alone. Then beginning in uh, verse 1 in Psalm 22, David writes these words. So loneliness is your first fill-in, and then he writes these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where else do we hear that phrase? When Jesus is on the cross, he goes directly back to this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe the most lonely kind of question and verse in the Bible. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. 
You know, as you read these words, you get this sense that David is awake. He's crying out. And it's actually in the middle of the night. And David can't sleep. And all of his fears are coming there. But now all of a sudden he doesn't have something to look out and see. He doesn't have sheep that he can take care of. But he's in his tent by himself and he's all alone. Have you ever been there before? You're in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden you start tossing and turning. You start thinking about all the things that are going on in your life or maybe the one thing that's becoming overwhelming. And there's fear. You're tossing and turning and you're struggling. And the biggest struggle you have is that you feel all alone. You know, if you read through the book of Psalms, you'll find that it's in the Psalms that we find humanity at its best because it's at its most honest, its most raw. And many of those happen during the night. You see, during the day, folks, it's a different experience for each one of us, isn't it? Because we have distractions. We have comforts. There are people that we can call, people that we can text. There are to-do lists that we can do and take care of. There are sports teams that we can watch on TV. There are bars that we can go to at night. Restaurants we can go. Clubs we can go to. But eventually, everything closes down. And we have to go home, and we get home. And whether someone's there or not, sometimes it can be the most quiet moment of our life where we toss and turn within our thoughts. And the noise finally ceases. After I uh, graduated from college, I was actually trained to be a U.S. history teacher. Some of you might be saying, we wish you would have become one, you know? Um, well, you got me, all right? Just teaching a different history right now. But um, so I went ahead and I sent out tons of applications and resumes to try to get, uh, you know, a job. And uh, during, you know, 1993 and that summer, there were not any history teaching jobs. And so um, I was working at a playground factory in Anderson and uh, I was engaged and I had not paid for the ring yet. So I really needed the teaching job, okay? And uh, I didn't get anything, but when August came, that's when many times school corporations will hire teachers, and so I got a phone call from Carmel Clay Junior High. And it was the perfect job. And they asked me to come in for an interview. I went into the interview. I just, like, knocked it out of the park. It was a grand slam. I killed it. I had all of these kind of visual things that I showed to them. I had a suit and tie. I mean, I was Carmel material, people. And uh, so the interview went great, and the guy before I left, he said, hey, uh, we'll be calling you tonight. I was like, yeah, this sounds great. Now, this was before cell phones, so I was living with my parents, and uh, they had a landline phone, and I watched this phone from 6 o'clock until 9.30. Someone called, my dad was a pastor, and called and said, someone died. I said, too bad, I'm waiting for a job. I hung up, no, I'm joking, I didn't do it. But, like, no one could answer the phone. No one could talk on the phone, you know. I'm just watching it, and, you know, an hour goes by, a second hour goes by, a third hour goes by, nothing's going. And finally, it's 9.30, and the phone rings, and I'm assuming it's my fiancé, and Jennifer's going to say, hey, you know what, it's okay, buddy, I love you, we can still get married. I don't know why, 
but we you know we can still get married and everything will be great. But it was something better than even my fiance calling me. It was the principal at Carmel Clay. And this is what he said. He goes, hey, I just wanted you to know that you were the best candidate for the job and we would offer you this job, but isn't that the worst, lang- uh, worst word in language? Like, Someone says something to you, and then but. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, I've got this job, i got this job, but. And I'll never forget, this is what he said. Our department is all male. We really need a female in there, and so we're going to hire one. But I want you to know, we'll keep you in mind for future positions. You know what future position I wanted to give him? <laughs> give me your head, put it in the textbook, I'll slam you down into about the Civil War, Okay. Now, my frustration became so great that I walked out of the house and I walked seven miles from Anderson to LaPel all by myself. There was no one there. There was no one to talk to. And it was at night. And I was all by myself. No one to call. No one to be there. Just me and my thoughts. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You've got to go through it. And I remember just starting to cry out to God in tears. Because this was the thing that I trained for four years for, and now it wasn't coming through. And you know, when you get to that point where you're praying to God like that, you get rid of all the fluff, just like David did. You get rid of all that stuff, and you actually share exactly what's on your heart. And I remember crying out to God, God, why have you left me? Why have you walked away? I feel all alone. I'm afraid. I'm lost. I'm scared. God, I trusted you, and you didn't come through. I don't know if I can trust you again. You see, it's in the nighttime, folks, that we kind of cut through all this stuff and we get directly to what we're thinking. At night, our prayers become bold. At night, our prayers become assertive. At night, our prayers become raw and very honest. Henry now in a... Catholic priest and theologian spent much of his life studying loneliness. And this is what he had to say about it. Whenever you feel lonely, you must try to find the source of this feeling. You are inclined either to run away from your loneliness or to dwell in it. When you run away from it, your loneliness does not really diminish. You simply force it out of your mind temporarily. The spiritual task is not to escape your loneliness, not to let yourself drown in it, but to find its source. You see, folks, when we're in the middle of the night and we're struggling with being alone and by ourselves, it's often in that loneliness that we actually come to our most authentic self and our most authentic prayer. And it leads us to the source of what is it? What am I really feeling lonely about? And for David, as he prays this, this is what he says is his source. But I am a worm, not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. You see, the source of his loneliness was the fact that his reputation has been stripped away. The result of his loneliness was the fact that now he was rejected. Maybe you know what that's like for your reputation to be taken away and people throw it into 
the sewer, for you to be rejected by the people around you. And the question becomes, when that happens, when we feel alone all by ourselves, what kind of prayers do we pray? Well, I think there are prayers like this. God, I'm afraid I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. And you feel like you're nowhere to help me with that. God, my marriage is breaking in front of me. And you don't seem to care. God, I want a baby so badly, but what if we never have one? God, I've invested in this job, but now all of a sudden they're going a different way and they want me to take a risk. What if I fail? God, I can't get past the fact of what He did to me. I'm so angry. God, what if this disease that I have right now never has a cure? God, what if she doesn't come back? Folks, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it to move through it. So in Psalm, 20, uh, in Psalm 22, we see loneliness. And then all of a sudden, it's from loneliness that we actually go to Psalm 23. And we come to solitude. Learning to be alone with God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then all of a sudden, there is solitude. Learning to be alone with God, which brings us closer to a fullness of life. And David said this, and you guys know this psalm. We read it at funerals all the time, but folks, this is not a funeral psalm. This is a psalm of God being present with you in your darkest moments. And David said this, The Lord is my shepherd. Then what did he say? What's it say? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Maybe the boldest prayer in all of the Bible. Now this is why it's so important when you're reading the Bible that you read before what you just read. So in Psalm 22, it's important for us to read that to understand Psalm 23. Because if you read Psalm 22, the reality is David has tons of wants. He has all kinds of things that he wants. He wants a reputation. He wants security. He wants reassurance. He wants human companionship. He wants a wife. He wants a friend. He wants a child. He wants all of these things, but eventually he comes face to face with the God of the universe, but he has this question, this question that is the hardest question for you and I. And here's the question. Is God enough? When it comes right down to it, is God enough? In that moment when it's just you and God, is God enough? In that moment where there's no one around, there's nothing happening, is God enough? You know, what you think about God, folks, makes a huge difference in how lonely you become. If you believe that God is a vindictive God, and He is a wrathful God, and He's out to get you, then you're going to spend more time in loneliness. But if you see God as a God who is loving and forgiving and gives second chances and He's actually there to help you and to care for you, you spend less time feeling lonely. Folks, when you're in a lonely place, we often ask the question, is God enough? Is God enough? And it matters so much of what you think about God. And this is how David thought of God. This is what the text goes on to say. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are what? What's it say? Next two words. With me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now I want you to know, folks, that David's circumstances have not changed. His enemies are still after him. It's still dark out. He's afraid. He's fearing about his reputation and his life. But in the darkness, he actually meets God. And this God, he leads, he guides, he comforts. He is with you. He doesn't walk away. Folks, today, if you're going through a period of loneliness and you're wrestling with the question, is God enough? Whatever it is that you're dealing with your life, if you come to that question, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if He's enough. You're in good company. Because that's where David was. That's where I've spent a lot of my spiritual walk. That's where the spiritual heroes of the faith are. Is God enough? But don't walk away from the question. You have to go through it. You see, there's something about the dark, something about David's loneliness that allows him to experience God's goodness and character in a way that he never would had he not gone through it. It allowed him to depend upon God more than if the sun were out. Because again, during the day we have distractions, to-do lists, things that we can do. But at night is when it's hard. And Henry Nouwen talks about that. He says it's where we go from loneliness to solitude is the key. Again, folks, this is what loneliness says. Loneliness is that pain and emptiness of being alone. But we move then to solitude, which says this, learning to be alone with God. Have you learned that? Have you learned how to be alone with God? Loneliness is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Solitude is, hey, God's with me no matter what. You see, David moves from loneliness to solitude because this is the truth, folks. Solitude is the antidote for loneliness. It's the cure for loneliness. When you pull aside some time and you open up this book and you give yourself 15 minutes to connect with the God of the universe and you read something, and you reflect upon it. And then you maybe write something down, or you listen. And it doesn't have to be a half hour. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be three hours. Fifteen minutes consistently that you're doing that, all of a sudden, you don't feel as lonely. And we have a uh, kind of tool for you that we call 15 minutes a day with God. And uh, I would encourage you to simply pick this up at the guest connections table to pick it up and actually start reading. It's just 15 minutes where you stay connected. We have a reading plan for you, questions to help you through that. And in the next 30 days, you could move from loneliness to a sense of solitude. And if you're struggling with something that's huge, we have a counselor on staff. Get some counsel. Get some people around you in a small group. Don't do the life alone. Well, in the 23rd Psalm, in verse 5, David says this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's this real 
thought, in other words, that, hey, I'm at my lowest place, my darkest place, but God's there. He meets me where my enemies are at. He comes right next to the table, and He says this, it's all right, I'm here, don't be afraid. I'll stay with you, I'll walk with you, I'll guide you, I'll lead you, I will not walk away. Now, again, folks, the circumstances of our life may not necessarily change in that moment. It doesn't mean that the pain immediately goes away. It doesn't mean that the singleness will vanish. It doesn't mean that the betrayal in your marriage goes away. It doesn't mean that you have the answer to the hard question of why God. Because sometimes in life, we just don't know. But David finally realizes that it's when he moves from loneliness to solitude that he goes to the place that he needs to know the most in Psalm 24, and it's here that he learns faith. It's here where he finally comes to a point where he says, I surrender it to you, God, my life. I learned to trust you. I learned to surrender everything to you. And in Psalm 24, verse 1, it says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For He founded it on the seas and He established it on the waters. I have faith now that this God who created everything can help me to a life that's greater than being lonely. David says, even in my circumstances, I surrender it all to you, God, because you don't walk away. You see, David realizes that his story is bigger than himself. And your story is bigger than yourself. And he realized that there is a good God and he doesn't want us to stay in a pit of loneliness, but he'll take us to solitude. He'll take us to a place of faith. There's a woman in our church by the name of Nancy. We have a picture of her here. Who has experienced just tragic circumstances in her life. After she had got married, she and her husband planned for a child. They got pregnant. The day came for the baby to come. They had already named the baby Rob. And as the baby was born, it was a stillborn, and she lost her child. And this feeling of pain hit her life, and she began to start asking, Why? Why, God? God, are you going to be enough? Well, God kind of helped her through that. But often what happens when you've lost a child, some of you have gone through that pain, the marriage becomes difficult, and then she went through the pain of a divorce. Again, she was by herself, and the loneliness crept in again. Why? Why me, God? Are you enough? She went ahead, got remarried, raised four more sons. And then in 2008, her son Jeff, who was a truck driver, collided into another truck and was killed instantly. She went through a second divorce. And she cries out, why? Why, God? Are you enough? And then in 2014, 
Her son Scott's on the top of a 20-foot ladder and it collapses. He falls down on his head. He's unconscious. They rush him to the hospital. He's placed on life support. I go to the hospital. By the grace of God, he survives. But he's not the same Scott. And now Nancy is there and she's taking care of him. And the loneliness creeps in and the questions become, why? Why me? God, are you enough? A couple of Sundays ago, I was in the lobby and uh, Nancy serves on our hospitality team and she was out there and we started talking. And she started sharing about how grateful and thankful she was for the God of the universe who never left her. And I was so overwhelmed because I kept thinking to myself, if those situations would have had to happen to my life, I don't know if I would have stayed faithful. I hope I would. She went on to talk about the fact that sometimes she still gets lonely. She doesn't live there, but she feels it and feels as if the if the walls are kind of caving in around her. And I said, "Well, what do you do?" She says, "When I wake up in the morning and I feel lonely, I pull out this little insert that says who I am in Christ. And I read the scriptures and I remind myself that I'm accepted, that I'm secure, and that I'm significant. And it helps me go through the rest of my day. You ever have a conversation with someone before where you know, I'm never going to forget that. I will never forget Nancy ending our conversation by saying these words. And you know what? God has always been with me. And he never walks away. I'm never alone. You know, Nancy discovered that it was in her loneliness that she turned to solitude, to be alone with God, and that actually helped her to increase her faith. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus walked this earth, and there were many times that He felt alone. And it's in those lonely moments that He would pull away from everyone else, and Scripture tells us this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and He prayed. He went to places where He could simply be in solitude with the One who knew Him best and loves Him the most. And it was in those places where He finally realized, you know what, God? You're enough. You're enough. When push comes to shove, God, You're enough. Your grace is enough. Your love is enough. You are enough. Folks, maybe you're going through a lonely time right now in your own life. And maybe it feels like the walls are caving in. And maybe on Mother's Day, the reality is you're spending Mother's Day for the first time without your mom and you feel alone. Or maybe for others of you, 
you have a fractured or you have an estranged relationship with your mom and you feel alone. Maybe you're a mom, but that's the relationship you have with your kids and you feel alone. Maybe you're a mom who's simply struggling to wonder whether or not you're enough and you feel alone. Well, if any of you feel lonely this morning, I want to remind you again, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. But with God's help, when you spend time alone with Him in solitude, He will help you to make it through it. Because God is enough. And He never walks alone. Jesus, we come today and it's easy for us to say the words that you're enough. But sometimes it's harder, God, for us to believe. Sometimes the circumstances of life just become so overwhelming and we feel the sense of loneliness so deeply. It feels almost as if you're not around. And so, God, I pray especially for any person in this auditorium today who just feels lonely. Maybe you're scared about something with the future. Maybe you're scared about a relationship. Maybe you're worried about something. Maybe you just feel alone by yourself. And you don't even know what to turn to. God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would meet where people are at in their pain, their loneliness, but you would not leave them there. Would you help them to find solitude in you, God, that being with you will give them hope that putting a small group of people around, maybe getting counsel, would help them through. Maybe you feel like you're in a deep, dark pit right now, but I want you to know you're not alone. For some of you, the reality is the only hope in your situation right now is a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. So if you're ready to say, God, I'm tired of living in this loneliness. I need you. I'm believing in you that, God, you're enough. I need your forgiveness. I need your encouragement. I need your presence. I need your help. I need you in my life. Then I invite you to share this prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that we pray alone, but it's a prayer that we pray in community. You can just repeat after me. But for some of you, this may be the most important prayer pray. Just repeat after me. God, you are enough. I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. Amen.